0: me for the thing that's going to help you in the middle of your crisis rather than always an escape hatch. Do you find yourself doing that? I'm always wanting to escape from wherever I am and then say God doesn't love me because he didn't get me out of it. Then a kid comes home from school and says I don't like this. It's not nice. I don't like working. And you say stay in there because you won't have a future if you don't. Remember that? I was going to leave school when I was 14 because I didn't like the work. Look at me now. <laughs> Should have left at 14. So I was uh, saying to God, just before I was going to get go to ordination I mean, to England to train, I was in a community with uh, a bunch of Christians around the big pooh bar in South Africa called the Archbishop. And he was uh, very alive, actually, a very sort of charismatic fellow, and I was feeling like I was really getting a lot from this time. And so I foolishly said to them, uh, you know, I feel like I'm getting a lot from here, but I don't have a lot of place to give out. So they came up to me one day and said, well, we're going on a mission up to Durban, which is 1,000 miles away or 2,000 miles away, and you can come and help with worship. And as soon as he said that to me, I won't repeat what I said to myself, but I went, oh, shoot, this is about me. This is not about me going up to lead worship. This is about actually God wanting to push me from a place of being fairly nervous about this Holy Spirit stuff into it. And the only time in my life I ever got a boil, I got a boil on the knee that week as I was about to go up there. Um, and I, I've told you before, I went up there on antibiotics and uh had a glass of wine with the host and collapsed on the floor. It was very funny, actually, but uh, because of the interaction. Anyway, I was terrified of what was going to happen. And so I said to the leadership, I said, they said, well, I, you know, we're going to give a talk and then we're going to ask people to come up who want to be filled with the Spirit. And then you're just going to go and pray with them, you know, go and pray with somebody. And I said, no way, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm just going to play my guitar up here. And so the sympathy I got was, Lord, we just pray you bless John and release your spirit, and I'll get on and do it. And so the first night, it was, oh, my, I hope nobody comes up. I was terrified. And, of course, people do come up, and they're stuck with me, and I'm stuck with them, and nothing seems to happen. We have this awkward conversation, and I sort of have this absolutely faith-empty prayer from my perspective about, oh, God, please be with us poor boy who's got me tonight and then we're going to do this again next tomorrow night tomorrow night comes and i'm feeling the same way and some woman you know i have to pray with some woman so i'm sitting in the pew with her and and she's all up tight and i go i think maybe the gift of tongues would help you but i don't pray for tongues so the archbishop but he's a tall guy um happened to be walking down the aisle. So I said, Bill, do you, do you mind if you come and pray for her for tongues? And he said, oh, of course, John. Yeah. So he comes and he sits down on one side of her and I'm sitting down on the other side and he says to her, you know, God just releases gifts and I'm going to pray for you and you might receive it now. But you will receive it, but you might not, you know, you might be at home and uh, just trust him with the answer. And so he prays for her and, and nothing visible happens. And God is speaking to me so clearly. And he said to me very simply, he said, John, if the Archbishop of Cape Town prays for her, no, first of all, he says, if if somebody gets healed, who gets the glory? Oh, you do, Lord. He says, if you think if the Archbishop of Cape Town prays for her, something's going to happen, and if you pray for her, nothing's going to happen. And he just really gently said, why don't you just bring people to me and leave the answers to me? Relax. And it was just like this huge weight came off, and streams of living water flowed out for the rest of the week. And another a week and a half later, we're meeting with a small Bible study group of which I have a very cynical friend, who was doing medical uh, training, and medical people often are, Um, but but never mind. Um, And and I told them the story. And the problem with telling stories is then you have to do something. And so I was telling them a story, and the one boy, man, Richard, who used to run a youth group with me, said, I'd like to speak in tongues. And I, went, and I was actually quite excited at that point. I wasn't afraid. So I said, okay, I'll pray over you. And, and, and William, the other guy, William actually has just paid for me to go to South Africa, me and Cheryl to go to South Africa. So the Lord's done a lot of work um, for our 60th birthdays at the end of the year. So bless him. Um, but he was sitting next to it. And I remember putting my hands on Richard and saying, because I'd never done this before in my life, Lord, I just pray that you release tongues into Richard. And if you want to do anything else, please do. And then I started, you know, very self-conscious because I was very afraid. And William started speaking in tongues before Richard. And I went, oh, my, this works. Uh, because it just he said, I don't know what's happening. I'm talking today about streams of living water. I'm talking today about contending. I'm talking today about how God wants to use you and me, every single person here. And if you stop at laziness and you stop at fear and you stop at a little bit of adversity, you will never go anywhere. But God's desire is that anyone who comes to him not only receives but releases. I mean, how many of you, um, when you go camping, look for the nearest stagnant pool? No inlet and no outlet. Mosquitoes and stinks. Water that doesn't move stinks. How many of you fill your water bottles from stagnant pools? Well, if the water isn't flowing in and flowing out, that's all you have. There are too many stagnant Christians. You know what the Dead Sea is about in Israel. Water flows in and nothing flows out a lot of people who say lord give me give me give me give me want this want this want this and and when i've got all this then i'll let something out and he says you're just like the dead sea you've got so much salt nobody can survive one of the reasons you have ongoing problems is you will not trust me and you will not release and so you i can't my promises are for you but you've got to walk alongside as well that's not a a, that's not berating anybody it's just saying it's a principle And so Jesus says to us and wants to encourage us to say, I will release everything you need, but I want you to release as well. So all the testimonies today are testimonies about how other people released into our lives things that made a difference. And for us, it might not seem a big thing. But for somebody who's hurting or struggling, that little message or that let's go for coffee could be huge. And when we start actually saying, Lord, how do you want to use me? We will find the things we're crying out to for him to work in us will actually get resolved. He must increase and others must increase and we must decrease in terms of get out of the way. Life is about living with a sense of purpose. We remember Jesus said, for the cross set before him, for the, for the, uh, he endured the cross for the glory set before him. He had a purpose to his life that was to actually ultimately go to the cross for the sins of others. There was nothing in it for him, but for the glory set before him he endured. And we have to have that sense of purpose of my life means more than just me living. You and I are here for a purpose. And that purpose has been ordained by God. You either get in line with that or you don't but one day, and I've never said this before because I don't speak like this normally, one day he is going to say, what did you do with your life? One day he is going to say, what did you do with what I made available for you? Well, I had a nice house and I took some holidays and I did this and they said, that's very, very nice, but to match, You grew up in a very peaceful country. You grew up with lots of opportunities. And you're telling me that you spend it all on you? And you're also probably addicted to prescription drugs because you're so unhappy. And so God says, you know, this living water is better than any drug. This living water is better than anything else. It is life. But you've got to contend for it. You've got to contend for it in your heart. You've got to contend for it in your life. You've got to contend for it with people around you. Because there's a battle that we're in. There's another one who says, don't bother. This has got a little heavier, a lot quicker than I was anticipating. How do I get out of this? Um, I, I remember on Tuesday we talked about what gifts do you, what, what gifts do you want and what do you want God to do. And, and I got a picture of uh, heaven having a Lamborghini and saying, I'd like to ask God for a Lamborghini. And he says, fine, you can have a Lamborghini. But the only problem was that, the, the, that we didn't know how to drive. And he said, in order to get the Lamborghini, you need to get, learn how to drive. That's the part you have to do. And there are many things we are saying to God, Lord, I want, and he says, I'd love to give it to you, but you just need to learn how to receive it and then walk in it. That's the contending part. That's the part that you have to learn. Lord, I want the gift of healing. Fine, then come and learn how to pray for, the gift, for, for healing and the gift will be released. Lord, I want wisdom. Fine, then walk with people and find wisdom as you're teachable. Lord, I want peace. Okay, fine. Learn how to live in peace with, uh, live, live peacefully in the midst of chaos. Everything that God wants to release in you, he will give you but you have to actually walk into it. And so many of us get passive and we sit around waiting for him to do stuff and he's sitting around saying, well, I'm not moving because I've already done everything I need to do. You have to come in and receive it. I'm building you. So the, the, the people who are going to be in the Olympics, for instance, they don't sit around saying, I'm in the Olympics. You want to go out for a meal? Aren't you training? No, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm just in the Olympics. They do a lot of preparation for that event. And so you and I are called into preparation as well for the event of living life uh, with Jesus. If you go to the Middle East and you look out over the desert and the expanse where Jesus spent a lot of his time, you can see uh, I'm thinking of the Wadi Quelt, Kilt, which flows down from Jerusalem to to Jericho. And there's a a pipeline that Herod built, uh, an aqueduct, and it leaks at places. And if you just look through across this wilderness and you watch this aqueduct, Wherever the water is leaking, you see greenery. Wherever the water is, there is greenery. Christians are meant to be green in the desert of Canada. And when you see green in the desert and you're thirsty, you tend to go there because there might be an oasis, there might be a source of water. Every Christian is meant to be a source of water. Every Christian is meant to be a place where other people can drink and find sustenance and say, Where did you get this from? They're meant to be the good wine, not the winers. By their love, you will know. By what flows out of you, you will be known. What flows out of you? What flows out of you when somebody bumps into you? What flows out of you when nobody's looking? What flows out of you when you're angry and you don't get your own way? What flows out of you? Whatever is in you is what will come out. That's the truth. Whatever is in you comes out. Now Jesus comes to us and says, what's spilling out is pretty toxic. I've come to set you free that what spills out will be fresh water. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. How do I get that? Depends what you drink. If you drink bitterness, if you drink anger, if you drink resentment, if you drink unkindness, if you drink I, 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 what will come out will be that. So he says, come to me and drink. Remember, what does living water look like? If you look in John 4, there's that wonderful story of the woman who comes to the well in the middle of the day. And she's coming to get water, just like she's coming to get bottled water. And Jesus is sitting there and says, can I have some water? And he just strikes up a conversation with her. He knows that no woman uh, would come in the middle of the day to get water. It's too hot. He knows that she's already come because she's probably an outcast. And then he gets a word of knowledge about it too. But he starts off by saying, can you help me? The, The God of the universe sits next to a woman who he knows has six husbands, which means she's not exactly... She's got some issues, right? Even Elizabeth Taylor took a long time to get through seven husbands. So six husbands, you know, it's not an easy thing. So Jesus doesn't uh, shame her because he's come that people might have life. He's come for people like her. He's come for somebody who's longing for love and keeps looking for it in men and sex, and it doesn't work. And so he says to her, uh, can you help me? Can you give me some water? And then they strike up a conversation. And he says, you know, I have resources. I have water that will will quench your thirst, because your thirst is not for this. Your thirst is for love. She doesn't know what he's talking about, because he talks sort of in riddles. And then... They keep on a conversation. They start going on to theology. And he he comes back and he just says, I can give you water that uh, will never run dry. And then he says to her, go and call your husband. And he said, "Um, I have no husband. And and he says to her, I know you don't. You have six and the one you're with is not your husband. And she goes, oh, God, how do you know? And he just probably smiles and says, because I know you. I see you. And what you're experiencing right now is living water. You're experiencing somebody who's not condemning you. You're experiencing somebody who's looking you in the eye. I don't want anything from you. And I'm actually giving you the love of my Father. And she doesn't have words to put around that. But she is drinking in something she's never tasted before, which is acceptance, respect, and potentially hope. And you read, she left her water jug and ran back to her city, her town, and said, come and see someone who's taught me, who said things about me that nobody knows. Come and see somebody who I've never seen anybody like this. She began to leak living water a few hours after meeting Jesus because it overflowed. She received grace. She couldn't understand it all, but she just said something's different, and that was enough for God to use to actually change her whole town because they knew who she was. And they went, that's, I don't know, I better not use any name because I'll insult somebody. Um, But that, you know, Monica. And we know her. And we've never heard her speak like this. We better go and see what this is about. And so they went back and they found Jesus and he spoke to them as well. And he, he gave them living water too. What flows out of you? so often we say, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know what to say to people and I, I, I haven't got enough information and I don't know my Bible well enough. And I want to say to you, it doesn't really matter. It's what flows into you that will determine what flows out of you. So if you drink from the living water, living water will flow out of you if you allow it to it doesn't stay inside. That's why it's called living. If you just want information, you can hold information for a long time, but it won't bring transformation. So what God, the key to growth with Jesus is to let him take out of us what he's put in us and the key to do that is to walk alongside people. So Jesus said to his disciples after they came back, because they were all, you know, Jesus is talking to a woman that was breaking all social barriers. And Jesus just said, um, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And what he's saying is, I have come to release water to a very dry and barren people very dry and barren people in Canada they're very dry and barren people in Albany. they're very dry and barren people right here and he said you know knowing about things doesn't make them slake their thirst they really need to be offered a cup of water and you are the cup and if you wear the name Jesus then whatever you have inside you is what people will drink and then they will know me by what you bring them and that'll either keep them distant, or that'll make it. They'll just get really thirsty for more. Some of you know what that's like. We've seen it. We've seen some people just go out and share what the little they had, and others come. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. We live in a very, very dry and barren land. And the thing about water is that it goes off very quickly. So, you can't give someone today what is yesterday's water. You can't give somebody information or an experience you had three months ago won't feed somebody today in the same way unless you're living it today. You know what I mean? Because the passion is what's alive today. And the cool thing is, you see, I, I mean, I know this because I do it. I have to. When I speak here in the mornings, I never know how it's going to come out. I don't really know what it's going to sound like. It's, I've got this little stuff that I write down and, but I don't really know how it's going to live. But I've been doing this long enough now to actually quite enjoy the not knowing that and see what happens. But what f- I can feel it. I can feel the, wa- the living water. I'm just a plastic pipe. I'm under no illusions. But I know the principle, and I can feel the principle. And th- guess what? I get... Li- I, I mean, you know, who cares about you? I get blessed. Because it, that's how it works. So give away what you have, or what you don't even know you have, and watch what God will do. It is very cool and very powerful, and that's what Jesus said. And I'll give you two, two verses to think about. I mean, firstly, that everyone is precious. God is incredibly jealous for everyone. The woman who looks for the lost coin, the shepherd who looks for the lost sheep, the father who looks for the prodigal son is the heart of the Father for every human being, including you and me, where he says, I passionately, he doesn't rebuke the coin when it's, you know, you miserable coin, why did you get lost? You have a party because I found the coin. He's desperately wanting to draw people to himself because it brings them alive. The church is meant to be like the prodigal son was invited into a place of banquet, roasting, I, the vegetarians, I don't know what you do, but it, certainly there's, there's lots of meat there, and there's dancing and there's joy. But you can have vegetables if you want, that's fine. But there's, it's just meant to be vibrant. The music and the smells are meant to be. Actually, when we were doing the zoning for this place, I was talking to a couple of the neighbors, and they were, you know, one was very crotchety, and the, other, the others were quite pleasant. And they said that they can hear the worship through the vents in the, on Sunday mornings. Of course, they said, You're welcome to come in, but that's a start. So if you want to grow, if you want to see God catapult you into a whole new place with Jesus, then drink of the water. When you ask Jesus to come into your life, let's go through basics, and I'll be finished in ten minutes. When you say, "Jesus, I can't live this life without you," or oh, "I don't, God, I don't really know you, but I certainly know me, and my life is a struggle. I need help," right? And Jesus says, I went to the cross to take all your nonsense on myself. I'm not going to go through the whole theology of this now. I'm, I took your sin. Everything that caused you, should be, you should be judged and condemned for, I've taken. So just enter into the gift I've given you and come into reconciliation with me, my Father. And I will make you alive like you were always meant to be, but sin got in the way, rebellion got in the way, all of that. And I pour out my spirit, which is symbolized by water, and I will empower you to be what you cannot be yourself. The first place to find freedom and the first place to begin to drink is realizing that I'm thirsty and realizing that I need help. Now, you don't, drink, you don't starve yourself. You don't dehydrate yourself before you drink water. You drink water as part of your life. You might put it in coffee. You might make other tastes. But you're basically drinking liquid because 80% of you is liquid, right? What happens if 80% of you spiritually is spirit? And what happens are the principles are you can't live without water and you cannot live without the spirit. You just are dehydrated. So you have no power. Everything becomes rules. Everything becomes dry and dreary. You don't actually live. And when you're dry and dreary, what you do is you get opinions. You get lots of opinions about things and anger surfaces because it's the only defense against the fact that I'm feeling dehydrated and I'm ticked off. It's what happens. I bones. when, when Je- Jesus pours out his spirit he gave a promise in John and he said when you ask me to come into your life I come in with my father and the spirit we all come in together and we live in you you say how do you live in us we just we come into your spirit and we ignite your spirit so if you've asked Jesus into your life he just, he's in you with his father and the spirit and they're ch- kind of checking you out going we have to stay in here And they call the angels in because they want to do a few renovations because your inside is not what they planned. So they said, we've got a lot we can do inside you to bring about change. Power washers. 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which means that you live where the Holy Spirit lives. Um, You contain the living God. What does that feel like? You're God's bed and breakfast. He's living in you. What kind of experience do you think he's having right now? How do you think he's enjoying hanging out in you? Don't look so shocked. How do you think he's enjoying living in you? If you were God, would you like to live in you? (laughs) You're going to charge him rent. He's already forgiven you a lot of debt, so I wouldn't play that game with him. Otherwise, he'll kill you. I know you were. What do you think it's like to live in you? You see, the best way to go with God is to say thank you so much that you're You've come into my life. What would you like to do? What would you like to change? What would make you comfortable with me? What would make you comfortable in me? Because he says, you know, um, when I can actually remodel you from the inside, you will be so thrilled. But at this point, you don't trust me, so you keep holding on to this stuff. And so you're not very alive and I'm wanting to bring you life. So he wants to restore us from the inside out. There's a a, a passage in Ezekiel. I won't go into Ezekiel 47, where it talks about the river flowing from the temple out into the world. And the river flows from the temple, which is the living water flowing from you and me. And wherever that river goes, there is life. And the the river bank is lined with, with trees, and there's the trees of healing on their leaves. I think it's a symbol of what God wants people to be. He wants you and I to be uh, conduits for the spirit of, for his spirit, his river, to flow into the world. But that river flows, uh, is very sensitive. The river is very sensitive to what goes into it. And so as we allow Jesus to flow into us, so he wants to flow out. And he says, as you do that, so things will be released. Does that make sense to you? Why don't you ask the Lord right now? I'm going to play a song for you as a sort of meditation and a prayer as we end. It's by Casting Crowns called "The Well." Um, just ask the Lord, or tell him, you know, I want to be—I want to be a river. I don't want to be a stagnant pool. If I'm a stagnant pool, what's the—the the way you deal with a stagnant pool is you just bring in a hose and you let it overflow and it stops being stagnant, it starts flowing again. So God can easily do that. But he has things that he wants you to release so that he can pour more in. So you just, Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit will just speak to us about areas where we're getting stuck, where we are holding on to things. We're focusing too much on the problem or ourselves. And we just ask you to raise the level of your, your, your spirit in us that you will release your spirit through us into the lives of one another and beyond this place. So let's uh, kind of pray, meditate. You can turn the light off and we'll have the screen on there and make sure it's quite loud. Please, you double-click on the icon and you should get it up and running. You can enlarge that. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you that you offer us day and day and day and day and day and day and day after day living water. And we just leave behind or we lay down the the, the, the clay jars that we carry our stuff in. We bless what you want to do and release and are releasing among us right now. Thank you for refreshment. So just thank him for what he's giving you. Thank him for, what he's, for anything you're welcome to come up. I just want to give a directive as we go to communion. Uh, You know, don't uh, talk to one another when we go through this. It's not the time to chat and catch up. We have coffee afterwards. This is a time where we're saying, "Lord, will you just minister to people?" Um, So don't get distracted. Just let God spend some time with you because He loves you and He wants to. He wants to meet you. And so. uh, Jesus uh, met with his disciples just before he was about to go to the cross. and uh, He said to them, when you gather together, do this, uh, share this meal in memory of me because I want you to know that I'm always with you. I'm always present for you. So Jesus, on the, uh, the, the supper, took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, eat this. This is my body which is broken for you. on me. I am the resource that will bring life to you. After supper, he took the cup and he gave it to them and said, This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. There is nothing in your life that will separate you from me. There's nothing you've done that I haven't forgiven on the cross. So you're not disqualified from coming to the banquet. I've already paid for you. What will bring me great joy is if you just receive." My blood is given that you would know forgiveness. There would be no condemnation in your heart. There would be no fear. There would be no cause for you to think that I'm anything other than a loving Father. So come. So as we come together, we do this in this church. We we come up to the front. We hold out empty hands. We do that because it's a symbol about the fact that we need to do something. We need to get up. We need to come with open hands and say, God, I have nothing to offer you other than myself and he fills those open hands.